live that's crazy i had that whole like beginning and intro to the podcast that i worked so hard on and i totally forgot what any of it is oh yeah it, what i think it was like something like and we're live or uh no i think it was like cow you could tell me anything right now and I, and i would believe you <laughs> if you told me that like i swung in from the rafters and performed the star spangled banner and that's how we introduced the show i, I, I think i mean, believe you, you could swing in from the rafters but i mean it would be unnecessary because they wouldn't see you right this is an audio medium. but i mean i would see it and I, that would actually i would be impressed so that would probably set the tone for the show yeah it would set the tone i mean it would it would probably just raise you on a pedestal a little higher for me to be honest you're already pretty high up there. Oh, really? You mean that? That means a yeah, lot. Yeah, I just wanted to start the morning with a compliment. That's a sincere compliment. Uh, you know what, Jake? But no pressure. No. Yeah. Well, now, <laughs> now I'm really fumbling because I, I feel like I got I got a really high bar that I need to clear for um, today's episode. But you know, a, l- a little rusty. I, I think the point here, though, is that it has been a really long time. Too long. We've been trying. Life's happened. <laughs> we, we we have had. L- several different plans in place to, to get back together and start recording. And not a single one of them has panned out until this exact moment. Right. But we felt a need to do this. we made it work. You know, we wanted to get back in here and kind of talk through some stuff that has been weighing on our mind a little bit. But in our classic fashion, we didn't go over any of that before we decided to meet this morning. We were just going to let this kind of flow and see where our conversations take us. So so this could either be world-class podcasting or we might just have to, to burn this one, um, you know, lock it away, put it next to the Kennedy tapes. The, the, the and, hid, yeah, the, the hidden tape. Yeah, and, and we'll just we'll never speak of this again. Right. Uh, for those of you who don't remember, though, I'm Kyle. With me always is Jake, and together we are teacher adjacent. I think that was the intro. That might have been the intro. That felt right. I mean, I, if we could just easily go back and actually listen to our own podcast. Not a chance. No, 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 no. But well, you know what actually has been kind of an interesting uh, development in the life of our podcast is that the audience that we have is almost exclusively students at this point. That's amazing. I, I had a student the other day who, uh, well, not the other day, but earlier this year who said, I heard that you had a podcast. What's the name of it? And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you what the name of it is. And the next morning she came in and she was like, I found it and I listened to every episode. It's really good. You should keep recording more. <laughs> I was like, what? Why would a, you know, a, a student want to listen to that? But I think we do talk a lot about like students first, them being people. Like We're talking a lot about care, holistic care of our students over hitting the standards, you know, and, and that kind of stuff. So maybe I think our students are, are hearing that and they're like, wow, our, that's that's awesome. They're, they're, they're understanding us. They're getting us in some way. Yeah, uh, I, I've actually gotten to the point where I'm starting to get chirped by students. They'll, like, come up to me in the hallways and be like, when are you going to record another episode? And I'm like, well, sometime, eventually, I'm sure, probably, if I get to it. <laughs> wow, like, that's like, awesome. Yeah, like two weeks ago in class, we were working on something, and I just start hearing my voice off in the background. Some kid was just, a student was playing the podcast on their Chromebook in the back of class. It was a very surreal moment. And at first, I was kind of weirded out that students had found this and started listening to it. But then the more I got thinking about it, and I, and I thought about our name that we came up with, Teacher Adjacent, it's not just 
teachers. It's the people and community that surrounds our profession. And I, I think you're right, Jake, that it might be good for the students to hear us and it humanizes us a little bit and it lets them know that oh, these are actually like real humans who have these thoughts and these struggles and that genuinely do care about us. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's interesting whenever I talk to students about the decisions I make and why I chose to do certain things. Uh, it, it seems to me like they're they're really interested or intrigued or maybe taken back that there was so much thought put into that. I think they believe there's a manual somewhere or just a book that we open up. We're like, okay, in this situation, we're supposed to do this. So for some of them to think that we're sitting there really heavily contemplating certain decisions we're making, they're, they're not, that's not something that would cross their mind normally. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm putting myself back into my junior high self and reflecting on the interactions I had with my teachers. And a lot of times you forget that like they're real people. They're putting real effort into what they're doing. They're stressed about not only their jobs, but also maintaining their life outside of school. So yeah, it, it is It is always nice to have those interactions with students where it's it's more humanizing. It's not so much teacher-student, it's just human to human. And I think this, you know, I said it two minutes ago, this does humanize us a little bit, and that might be a win for us. So what do we want to cover today? I mean, there's, there's so many topics we had talked about in the past um, on what we wanted to address. I think overall we just kind of felt the need to just kind of t talk through some of the things that have been happening this semester. I know yesterday you had mentioned to me and I was feeling the same way. This is always a tough time of year for teachers and for students. I think for everyone in general, we've had four months of winter <laughs> at this point. We've had very few days with sunshine. Um, the weather's playing tricks on us. It's 55 one day and then it's, you know, 32 the next. And I think everyone's just kind of in a funk. They're wanting that. They're wanting a break right now. And you, we were talking about how it's difficult to push through and continue to provide content that's going to push our students and be like and motivate them to and empower them to be like, yeah, let's do this. Like, let's get after this when we ourselves are feeling a little worn at this point. Definitely. Uh, for February being the shortest month of the year, or yeah, the month of the year, it's insane that it's actually six and a half years long every single year. It's, I, I don't know how else to explain it. I, I don't know if this is the same case for people who don't work in education, but February drags on forever. Luckily, we're, we're through it now, but we're definitely in that point of the school year where it's a little bit more of a job. You know, the, the newness of the, the beginning of the school year has worn off. We don't really have the holidays to look forward to or that break. So it becomes a little bit more of a, of a struggle to engage your students and yourself, like you were saying. When you start, when we were talking about that, and you said you're talking about the February lasting forever. I felt like the, the 20s of February, like the February 20th through the 28th, the, those eight days were really long days. But during that time, we had our conferences, and that might be something to kind of focus on. I, I kind of had a a really positive highlight this year and something that is I've been really thinking about a lot since then and I've actually talked with my students. Fortunately this year I had a lot of parents sign up that coincidentally I was noticing a ton of improvement in their writing 
And these students, when I went back and looked at their track record in my class, the one consistent factor and shocker, what's about to come out, is that they, they submitted things. And so the, the things they submitted weren't, weren't always great, but if you look throughout the year, it'd be one, a two, a two, a one, a two, one, two, and then all of a sudden you see three, two, two, three, 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 two, four. And, and we have students who were not, they had no, no idea of structured writing. Every other word was misspelled, right? The grammar was totally off, punctuation was non-existent. They were giving me one sentence in our prompts at the beginning of the year, and now they're writing five or six sentences. I thought it was really cool. And talking with my class, one thing I had mentioned was, it's really difficult to continue to try when you feel like you're constantly failing, but a two or a one isn't you failing. You're failing when you're not giving yourself an opportunity to try at that, because the students that had stuff missing, 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 I'm still seeing consistent trends from the beginning of the year in their writing. Like they have, they have lost an opportunity yeah. to grow as a student in what I like to call tax-free zone. The middle school is tax, <laughs> tax free, right? It's duty, uh, duty free or tax free. And they get an opportunity to fail multiple times with support without any sort of real consequence. Yeah. As long as they're willing and open to understand that, there's, that the feedback they're getting is going to eventually lead to them doing better. That's yeah. got, that's gotta be t- I mean, that's tough for all of us, right? To stick with something you, when you feel like you're failing at it constantly or that you're not good at it. Yeah, I mean, that's incredible perseverance that you're seeing from those students. Um, And I think you're exactly right. It's a conversation I had with many parents over the conferences, too, that in reality, does the score your student gets in their sixth grade social studies class matter? No, it doesn't. But there's a lot of other skills that are built into it that really are impactful and that are going to pay off later in life. So the same thing for you. The eighth grade science scores that they achieve don't really matter in the grand scheme of things, but these students who are willing to work and persevere are showing those dividends. They're, they're starting to pay off. You know, when I coach basketball, I call it watering the bamboo. You just got to keep plugging along at it, and eventually it pays off. Now, the idea of continually trying something and failing at it, I could relate a lot to that because you and I have golfed together, and I try, <laughs> I try, but I'm bad. Uh, I, I think both of us try, but we're, we're in that boat together, you know, and, and I think part of the reason why it makes it so difficult for some students is because they're, they're walking in and into a class and they're working on a skill that, that they clearly understand and perceive that they have a deficit in compared to other students in the class. They're able to see other students do more advanced writing, but then themselves struggle with that. And so to see that, that gap in the amount of effort required is really difficult. But what I found is that even students that come in with more advanced writing, they have struggles of their own. So I think not pointing out their struggles, but pointing out that everyone has a different aspect they're working on. Like some students are way too wordy and the, the extra stuff they're putting in there is actually hurting their writing. Yeah. You know, and so talking about how they can become more concise is just as difficult as a task for that student as developing more sentences and a better sentence structure is for another student. So those, those struggles, we perceive them as, 
um, as different or one struggle being easier than the other struggle, but in reality, they're not. Each student is coming in and they have obstacles to face on a daily basis. And that becomes a really interesting challenge for us because there are, you know, if we have a class of 25 students, we have 25 students who all have some sort of deficit somewhere or some, I, sh- I shouldn't say deficit, I should say an, an area in which they can grow. You know, all 25 of them are unique individual people and they all have their own areas in which they can improve upon and they can grow. How do we best go about supporting each and every one of those individuals? Some of them we might be able to kind of categorize and cast a large net and get some of them, but there's also other students who have a little more individualized areas of growth. So do you have any specific tools or strategies used for that? Or No, I think that's a good question. And I think part a lot of that comes back to classroom culture and how you develop your classroom culture. You're, you're trying to get students motivated. And in our situation, in, in reality, uh, we don't, we can't say, well, your GPA is going to affect your GPA, or you could be, uh, you know, you, you could possibly fail this class and have to retake it. Most of the students have learned, especially by eighth grade, that that's not something that's going to happen. There is no GPA, and they're not going to have to retake eighth grade science. Right. So you have to pull other tools from your tool belt or try and find as many ways as possible to connect with students and really get them to each personally invest in making that growth. Um, I think one of the things for me this year that has kind of dawned on me, we we spent a lot of time talking about the actual na- like national standard. So looking at the actual standard from NGSS and saying, here's all the things that you're required to do at, at grade level. And what I've really had to hold firm on is on formative work, sticking to that, um, you know, by by the letter and making sure that I'm evaluating their work unbiasedly and not just saying, well, it's a formative piece and they're close. If they're not hitting all those points and we've clearly talked about those points and it's clear to them what they're supposed to do, then giving them just kind of giving them that that score isn't isn't really helpful because giving them that two isn't supposed to be a punishment, but it's an open invitation for a conversation. And what I've learned is that conversation with you and that student is where that growth is happening and where that encouragement to make changes is happening. Yeah, I think I just started a sentence with, yeah, and I'm having flashbacks to last to last year when I started every sentence with that. I apologize. Um, but you're right. It, when you have those conversations about areas where maybe they made mistakes or areas of which they can prove upon, that's way more authentic than just handing them back a piece of paper that says, this was your score, we're moving on. Or, you know, this is your score. You could reassess on that. Having that dialogue with them, uh, it goes back to what we talked about right at the beginning of this podcast. It's it's way more human. It's way more personal. There's, It's authentic. There, that has to create a buy-in for a student. I mean, I would feel much more encouraged if my teacher came up to me and said, hey, I noticed you have, you did this, this, and this, and there's some areas here that we can improve upon rather than just going, okay, this is your score. Figure it out. Yeah, Absolutely. And part of that, going along with that, I think the more students see the work you're doing on your end to try and meet them where they're at and, and trying, um, you know, trying everything you can to help them improve, that over time de- helps develop that culture of, of saying, listen, th- this isn't like me saying you need to do this. This is us doing this together. For example, in the summative we're doing now, I, 
I, in the last moment, decided to develop a graphic organizer to help students because I know a lot of them can write well, but the assignment that I was asking them to turn in, the, the skill I was asking them to practice, was relatively advanced. And I felt like me doing making a graphic organizer and walking through that with them would be helpful. And more, I was more thinking about my population of students who have you know, did certain needs for support and structure and writing. But what ended up happening is that almost all of the, the grade used that graphic organizer. And for a lot of them, I was seeing this something click and I was getting the questions that we want to get. It wasn't, what am I supposed to be doing? It was like, I'm not understanding the difference between evidence and reasoning. And there's a big difference between those two yeah, questions. Yeah, it definitely is. So, so being, doing things like that um, is, is in, I feel like is encouraging them because they're seeing on my end, I'm, I'm trying different things as well. And I'm still trying to grow as a teacher to better instruct them and help them along. And for them then, that makes them want to also try and make you know, growth because that's part of the classroom culture. And I, I, I always knew that the teacher was part of that, but I, I guess I'd never really uh, understood all the different ways that we're sending signals or messages to our students. I, I think you're, you're dead on. It's, it's hard to be actively engaged with every single student, have those authentic conversations and connections. And in a lot of cases, and I've done it myself, it's a lot easier to just be like, well, this student's just not working up to the potential or they're just, they're being lazy today. They don't want to do their work. It's a lot harder to kind of reflect on ourselves and go, well, what can I better do to make this an authentic experience for them? Because it does take a lot of effort and it does take a lot of time. But at the end of the day, that's what they deserve, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. They, they all deserve that effort, that time. And they all deserve to be met where they're at and for us to try and, you know, make that walk with them to try and help them advance to that next level, regardless of where it is. And we've all been through it. I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't anywhere close to have things figured out, but I'm, I'm constantly reflecting on it. And I think the most important thing is modeling and also truly being part of that process where I'm not taking offense to my results, but I'm, but I'm taking caution in my results, or I'm, I'm using those results to, to better inform my future decisions. You know, I, I can't sit here and be like, oh man, we're going to take the ISA in a few weeks, and when I get the results next year, it's, it's going to be easy for me to be like, well, that could be motivation, that could be this. Well, the fact is that motivation is still within my hands, and if my students respect me and care about me, and I've showed enough respect and care for them, and they know that that test is important to me to inform my future teaching, then I should, then motivation shouldn't be a factor. They should be coming into that test willing and ready to try their best. So what that means is for me, I, I need to work on, on my classroom culture and, and trying to find ways to better motivate my students. And that could be personal. That could be hard to really, to sit back and be like, man, I, I feel like a bad teacher. You know, but a bad teacher doesn't reflect on those things. You know, you're not a bad teacher. You're a bad teacher if you choose to make excuses about that. You, yeah, you're, you're a bad teacher if you keep doing the same thing and just blaming the students for not being successful. I think you're on the right track to being an excellent teacher or probably already an excellent teacher if you recognize I'm doing things that just 
flat out don't work. The students aren't getting it. They're not engaged in it. They're not motivated by it. I have to look myself in the mirror and do something about it. Absolutely. And I, I saw a, con a conference this last summer, um, and th the guy that was presenting had mentioned that with his staff, the way he developed a positive culture around test results is he'd walk in and he'd say, here's our results. I want you to look at them. They're not, they're not great right now, but I'm not holding any of you accountable for the results you're looking at. I'm holding you accountable for what you do next. Let's talk together. Let's come up with a game plan and let's have an action plan to find a way to try and resolve this. And the action plan you set might not be that, that one thing that is going to help improve those scores, but then you move on to the next thing. That's kind of part of that process of trying to figure out and problem solve till eventually you're hitting the components you need to. I, just, I really wanted to start that sentence with yeah again, and so that's why I, I froze there for a moment. But I do think you're right that this isn't a, a profession, this isn't a career in which we can get complacent with anything that we're doing. I, I was actually having a thought yesterday when I was walking my dog about you know all the different things that we put in place at the beginning of every school year about like improvements we want to make to the school. And I was like, and I, and I had a moment like, well, we keep doing this, but like, what's the end game? And then I, it kind of like clicked to me, like there is no end game. It's just constantly looking for little ways in which we can improve. Maybe it's 1% this year, maybe it's 10% the following year. Either way, it has to be steps forward. You know, I, and I don't know why this didn't click to me before, because it's something I preach to my teams that I coach that I'm a believer that you're, you never stay the same. You either get better or you get worse. So any effort not put in going forward is just going backwards. Absolutely. No, you, you definitely nailed it there. There, there isn't an end game. And I think that's a great, great way to put it. And, you know, it's really easy to get bogged down by all of the new trends that come down the line or all the new initiatives that, that are coming down the line. But I think the point is it, it's not because there's so many frame shifts in the thinking or the mentality around teaching. It's, Again, like how we try and explain stuff to our students, we might explain it in five or six different ways, but they're, it's all the same thing. They're just different ways to try and help it click for certain people or different aspects that, that people at that point in their career might really, might really need or might really find, oh, this is the missing piece that I needed to make improvements. Because like our students, we're all in different places and we need to be met in different places. There are some teachers who are nowhere close at this point to be like, okay, you know, you're talking about classroom culture and how am I going to, you know, do this or how do I know how to assess that? Um, you know, you, you may not be. I mean, it, it's year after year, you're chipping away slowly and day after day in the, all those years, you're reflecting on it and being like, what do I need? What needs to change here? I, I, I have a student teacher this year, and one of the things that she told me, which was kind of, it's comical, but it's also like a sad reality of teaching, is they basically told her that all the, the pedagogical stuff and all of the classroom management and all that stuff, don't worry about it for the first like four years because it's just pure survival. Those first couple of years, just trying to figure out oh, how yeah. to survive in a classroom. And I was like, well, that's a weird thing to say. And then I was like, well, actually, no, it's kind of true, because if you're trying to go in and do all of these things while, 
you know, diving into a classroom, something has to fall to the wayside. It's, it's nearly impossible. Absolutely. And, and it was funny, you were saying that you're the first four years and I like, I was like, four years, I still feel that yeah, way. I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, I'm on year 10 and I'm still trying yeah. to hold my head above water. But, but I think it's really easy to get a, a false sense of security when you feel like you're settled. <laughs> you're not looking for things. So a little bit of that survival mentality, even as a veteran teacher, uh, or as like a, you know, a, a, a mid mid range teacher or a new teacher, like at all, at all, all levels of that, you should have a little bit of that still, you know, it, you should be coming in just like with competition or performing in a sport, like it, there are professional athletes who have, you know, t- who have shot a basketball a million times, but still when they get that ball in their hand and they're in a game situation, there's, there's some sort of survival, you know, mechanism in their brain that's going off. And as right. teachers, like our job is, is, is performance in some way, but it's also adjustment throughout the day. And you can't do that without a little bit of that, that part of your brain being like, okay, I got to make these adjustments in this moment. Um, and, and I got to try and try and fix these things here and there so that I can accommodate all my students. I think that's a part of the job that I really do enjoy is kind of that problem solving as it's happening and recognizing, oh man, this is an absolute train wreck. Everything is falling apart. Everything's going wrong. And then like trying to figure out in that moment, like how can I salvage this? I, I think that's really fun and challenging to me and actually one of the I've had this conversation with a few people like as soon as that stops being fun to me as soon as this job stops being fun as soon as I'm no longer excited about that challenge I need to get out whether that be in five years whether that be in 35 years when I can retire (laughs) I don't know what that's like but I think I owe it to myself and the students that I gotta have that fire and that that drive to want to improve want to get better and that comes full circle back to the beginning of this conversation. We were talking about classroom culture and, and how do we continue to motivate students. And that kind of hit on what I, what I guess I was trying to say in a more long-winded way earlier is they, they read that stuff, that, that fire, that passion, that drive to, to do things that you want to actually help, um, the, the things that you're doing to kind of, you know, in be- lack of better terms, bend over backwards for, for your students they're seeing that you're putting the effort in and after you do that enough times it you can then start to have the culture where you're saying like listen i'm i'm working as hard as i can to meet you you need to start taking some steps to meet me and that's where you can really start pushing those students because there's really no uh there's really no rebuttal for that i mean they're watching you day after day do your heart like your hardest and try everything to to make it work for them um, so that's, I think, where the respect comes into play, and that's where some of that growth happens because they're like, all right, I need to step it up a little bit and, and meet them, you know, meet them in the middle somewhere. Definitely. I, I, you're right. I don't even have anything to add to that. I think <laughs> you hit it on the head. We, we got to be genuine with our students. We have to show them that we truly care about them and their success, and if we do that, I think majority of the time good things do follow. So we're kind of getting close to our our end here, but I, I had one more thing, one more thought that was on my mind that maybe we can address in, in a future uh, episode or, you know, we can address briefly now, but it's it's something that I think maybe I guess bothers me a little bit at points, and I don't usually tend to get bothered by much. I'll reflect on it and I'll think about it 
if it irritates me at first, I try and understand why. You are unbothered. You are probably the most understanding person <laughs> that I know. You're a rock, and uh, sometimes man. to a fault. It's kind of annoying. <laughs> why can't he just be mad about something? Just vent. Just complain. Yeah. I do. I do try. I do try and justify people's point, points of views, or at least ra- you know rationalize their points of yeah, views. You're but. the only man that would be sympathetic to somebody robbing you. <laughs> but he, yeah, he probably doesn't have anything. You know, I mean, I'm sure he's just trying to make ends meet. What if he has a family? Times are tough for everybody. I didn't need that money. <laughs> no, I mean, but there are, you know, there are some things that bother me, you know, and I think my biggest thing is it's hard uh, at certain points with students that aren't meeting you in the middle, that haven't budged, and you're working on them all year, and it, it's easy to get to a point where you're like, well, they just don't care. But one thing I think that is important to mention that, that like, kind of dawned on me a long time ago is I'm, I'm nobody, people are almost never one thing. There are many different things. And when you start to label a kid as they just don't care or school's not for them, you're putting them in, in, a, in a category that's, that's one thing. And there's, there's plenty of other things still available that they can, that could motivate them. You just haven't found that yet or Perhaps you had to step away from the things that are trying to motivate them academically for a while and just just be a human with that kid and 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 give them a little bit of reprieve because they're probably going in all their cl- other classes and in some way, shape or form, although the teacher's not trying to, they've already labeled them as that one thing as well. It has to be exhausting to be that student. And I, I can close my eyes and picture a dozen of those students I've had over the years that just aren't engaged academically, just kind of are content not doing anything. And there's always this air of not caring. But as a human, it has to weigh on you going into every classroom, knowing the teacher has cast you off. And But I think you hit to that point. There's There's something else to them. Maybe academics isn't their thing, but everyone has passions. Everyone has things that motivate them. And then, you know, like you just said, treating them as a human and trying to figure out what that is might be the key. Could be. It'd make you a lot of money if you could figure out the key. And the, and the fact is that, I mean, most, there are, there are a lot of kids that even though you try your best effort with aren't, gonna, aren't going to uh, make the improvements you want. But at least for a while, they're, get, they're gaining some confidence by doing the tasks you are giving them, and then they're also being humanized in your class, which in turn is is helping them avoid that negative stigma that they might develop about school. And we see that in our parents now, right? Where parents that had a hard time in school when they were around, their 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 kids might not be about school. And definitely, they come in jaded because their parents had a bad experience. Exactly, and the parent involvement isn't there. So obviously, you know, that's, that's, that's their culture of their family and that's what you're, you're dealing with. So to say the kid doesn't care is, is, a, really, uh, is a really rudimentary way of, of addressing that. You know, you might be able to say this family has had a bad experience and he's been painted a bad picture of school, but that can still change. I think for kids they want, they're coming here every day. They don't want to come here 
and just be miserable all day or make everybody else miserable. So to, to back up that point, I'm, I'm currently finishing up my research for my, my grad class working on my master's degree. And part of that is student motivation, what motivates students. And I posed the question in a survey I gave the students of, it's important for me to want to do well in school. And close to 80% of the students that responded to that ranked it as like, that's a number one priority is they want to do well in school. So kids want to do well. They want to be successful. But as we know, we have a, it's not 80% of students that are showing that in the classroom. So where is the disconnect here from getting students who want to do well to actually doing well and motivating them to get to that place that they want to be? Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a great question. And I think it's something we can dive further into in, in the future. Um, you know, but for me, like my, I guess my final thought on it is to summarize, you know, our, our classroom culture is based off the things we value. And if we only value our students when they're performing at the standard or at grade level, that's not setting a very good culture for the classroom. And so meeting them where they're at is, is also means celebrating those small victories. Like if they can write one and a half sentences after three months of working with them and they only could write one sentence before, that's a victory. They've increased that. Celebrate the little ones. Even you turned in an assignment. Heck right. yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. You remember to put your name Look on this you. assignment. Yeah. Heck yeah. Exactly. Look at that. That's growth. Wow. Hey, I appreciate you following along. We went through the instructions today. You were right on task with that. That's amazing. And that is that goes along with our PBIS stuff. But that also is is stuff that, that ends up over time switching that, that negative mindset for those students. And you're, you're carving a positive experience for them by celebrating things that uh, typically they didn't, they didn't maybe think were worth celebrating. And so the all or nothing mentality can really make or break your classroom culture and student motivation. So I think I'll just leave it with this for the four teachers out there who are listening to this. Remember, these kids, they're humans too. They just want to be treated like humans. And for, for whatever reason, all of you students who are listening to this, we're humans too. We just want the best for you guys. We're trying our best. Help us help you. Yeah, 100%. And when you struggle... In times like like right now, we're we're all struggling a little bit. <laughs> Hang in there. We're everybody's with you, but maybe maybe turn and try and find some small positives, and that might be able to help you get through. And uh, hopefully, it helps you get get through waiting for our next our next <laughs> yeah, podcast ne- next edition of Teacher Jason yeah. dropping twenty twenty seven. Yeah, this was this is a very stoic ending to our to our podcast today. I feel like there was a lot of. You know, a lot of a, underlying themes there. A little more brevity in our, our episodes usually, yeah. but I think we just have been gone for so long, we just dove right into it. Yeah, there was a lot less breaks for jokes today, but I think the content we covered was pretty important, and I feel good coming out of it. I feel good. I think I needed that. Yeah, I needed that too. So we'll count that as a success. That's a win. We'll, we'll chalk it up. We, we made it in this morning, and we pressed play. So there's a small victory for us. Suggestions are, are always welcome. On the other end, you can just talk back to your your speakers right now and, and let us know how awful you felt this was but we, we i think that's that how the, it, that works we, yeah, we you just it, you just so. yell into spotify yeah, right yeah let it all out yeah email, let it get it out. email spotify directly about <laughs> yeah, us yeah can you please remove uh reason why uh it was it was marketed falsely <laughs> all right well thanks for listening again and this has this been, has been teacher adjacent look at that we got it